0: was trump the antichrist throw that out at a bible study and see what happens um i see some head nodding oh boy i didn't expect everyone to be so sure um yeah what about what about yes he did um what about jfk okay no uh you see how this works um you know, at any moment of human history you live, there's always someone who's the Antichrist, it seems. Um, when you read in the New Testament, this Antichrist, uh, th- this, um, this person who is uh, against Christ, that's pretty obvious, um, against the Messiah, the kingship of Christ, the rule of Christ, the word Christ is not Jesus' last name. It is, in fact, a title of royalty. It is the Greek word for the, it literally means anointed one, which is the translation of the word Messiah in from Hebrew into Greek. And it comes into English as Christ. Uh, and so um, the Antichrist, the one who is against the Christ, the one who is the opposite of the Christ, uh, is this character who seeks to undermine the kingdom of Christ. Now, John, in his epistles, says that there are many antichrists, and um, many antichrists have come. I believe that's in verse 18 of this chapter. Children, it's the last hour. As you've heard, that the antichrist is coming. So now many antichrists have come. So the antichrist is both a person, sort of in a place and time, but also a series of people who throughout time and place seek to undermine the kingdom of God, seek to take that kingdom of love that Jesus is building on this earth through us, the church, and seeks to destroy that, seeks for power that is about coercion and not about invitation. This is what the Antichrist is always doing. When you get to the book of Revelation, also written by John, um, he has a lot more to say about the Antichrist in that time. Uh, both uh, uh, already, a thing that's already happening, and a thing that's not yet happened. Um, and so when he's writing here, his advice is very practical. He says it's the last hour. And at whatever point you date the first epistle of St. John, um, it was a long time ago, <laughs> you know? He's writing before electricity. Um, he's actually writing before, technically, the term pandemic is used of a of a, the Antonine plague, and I think the 300s A.D.s was the first plague that was considered a pandemic to, to cover the world. He's writing in a time that we might call primitive, and yet the same is true. Um, nothing ever changes when it comes to antichrists. They have a way of always subverting the authority and power that they've given. The antichrist he's talking about, though, is here the one he's specifically maybe not mentioning, this is sort of a subtweet or a, a reference to somebody that is in the room, but they don't want to talk about, uh, or someone they might know, is that he doesn't really believe that Jesus is the Christ and doesn't really believe that God the Father and God the Son or Jesus and God the Father are like equal in power. We see in 1 John this this thread of early Gnosticism. They don't call it that yet but later this is the the ideology that flourishes in Christianity and outside of Christianity all over the Mediterranean world. Um, Gnosticism at its heart is that there's a secret knowledge that you really need to live a successful life and we have it and we can give it to you, but you've got to trust us, you've got to come in and get the secret knowledge and only when you sort of pledge your loyalty will we give you the secrets. This is the exact opposite of Christianity. Christianity is extremely public. Um, It has always been a public religion. It has always been a faith that doesn't have any secrets. Um, The secrets all belong to God, and the ones he tells us we try to proclaim to everybody. In fact, the good news of Jesus is declared to everybody. There's no limits on who it's declared to. It's not just for some few enlightened people. So whenever you look at a, a movement, an organization, even a church... Even our church, where it seems like there has to be this secret knowledge and secret group of people that get to do everything and get to. And, and you know, this is where the priesthood can become this kind of Gnostic organization as well. All throughout church history, there's these. The Gnosticism has a way of springing up and seducing people into to giving them power. And this is fundamentally antichrist, um, the secret knowledge. And it hinges on the fact that they would say that that God the Son, Jesus, or they wouldn't say God the Son, but Jesus is just a really enlightened human being, someone who's really smart, who is really bold, who had the secret knowledge that you can have too. He wasn't really God the way people say he is. And John makes the case, he he makes it very clear, if you deny, um, no one denies the Son, no one who denies the Son has the Father. He who confesses the Son has the Father also. So the, the problem in Jesus' day was not so much that um, they, they had a hard time believing that he was a real human being. In fact, when he walked around on the earth, that, that was all most people could believe he was, just another guy, another teacher, another rabbi. To the Romans, he was a troublesome Jew. To the, to the, to the Jewish authorities, he was a troublesome rabbi. To Romans later, he was a guy that got crucified, canceled by the state, destroyed, obliterated. Um, So he was very human if you had lived in the time that he had lived in. But pretty soon after his resurrection and ascension, a lot of beliefs about Jesus leave his body behind and they become very ethereal. That he was simply God in a bod walking around or just some angel that was really dazzling and wonderful. But no, he wasn't human. And you can see the practical implications of this. If Jesus wasn't a real human, then what is it? Why would? Why should you, you know, try to uh, live a holy life? Uh, if Jesus wasn't one of us, his what he did on the cross might not really count for our forgiveness for our sins. In fact, what you and the Gnostics would say, what you need to embark on, rather than accepting God's grace and forgiveness and love that Jesus did on the cross through the Incarnation, becoming one of us, you need to get the secret knowledge that I'll give you. Here it is. Come on over here. Oh, and there's a fee involved as well. This is Gnosticism. They they de-emphasized the the teachings that Jesus died for people's sins. Um, And so this idea of the relationship between the Father and the Son is really important for John. It's really important for us today. To believe that Jesus really came in the flesh is another one of his big concerns. To really believe that Jesus is God incarnate it takes a lot of faith to kind of believe that some days. We look around the world and say, did God really become one of us? I mean us, us, like, like the us that, not just in the church us, but like all of humanity us, scroll through the news and see the things that people do to each other. We have teenagers being shot by police officers. Um, you know, another one today. Um, you know, a thirteen-year-old. It's like, wait a second. This, how is this working? How is this happening? Um, and we just stare and wonder and say, Did God become one of us? Did God really become who we are in the incarnation of Jesus Christ? The answer is yes. And anybody who says he didn't is an antichrist. Anyone who says. You know, that was way back when. It doesn't matter now. The fact that Jesus became one of us means that our humanity is sacred and that we can learn to love each other in a deeper way. We can we can have victory because Jesus had victory. He is truly one of us. And so, you know, worrying about the Antichrist, it's not so much worrying about whether a president was the Antichrist. It's really a worry about, are the people that we're listening to and attracted to and trying to learn from, are they the Antichrist? Or are they someone that's pointing us to Christ and saying, here he is, follow him, come be part of his kingdom, because he's offering it to everyone freely to all. Amen.